You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Scott Furrow here. And, you know, each and every day for the past few days, we've been doing the Steps to Easter. And I hope that you have enjoyed it. And I'm here to give you the last step to Easter as we get ready for Easter Sunday. And we've been going through Passion Week in order to do a few things for you, to really help you prepare your heart, to examine your heart, to prepare your heart for this Easter season, but also to prepare you to be a minister to your friends, whether you're inviting them to Easter service or just taking Jesus's command to make disciples more seriously. Easter is a great opportunity to do that because everybody says, invite your friends, right? Your pastor probably said, invite your friends to Easter, and you might have different tools to do that. And I think that's great. But whether you're going to invite them to Easter or you just want to realize that God wants you to love your neighbor, love the people that God has placed in your relational world each and every day. So you can invite them to church or to your small group, or maybe you invite them out to coffee, some opportunity to share the, share your faith with them. I want to share something with you as we, we finish this up. And it's about reflecting the light of Christ. Jesus says some amazing things to us. In, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven let your light shine before others. Now, let me back it up a little bit, give you some context, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are these people who do these things, right? You've heard that. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth, but salt can lose its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to make a couple of points about this that I think are really important. Do you ever just wonder if you're living the Christian life the way you should? Or maybe you read this, and you read this about salt and light, and you think to yourself, well, I'm not salt or light. The first thing I want you to ask yourself is this. Do you believe Jesus? Not just believe in Jesus. Maybe some of you aren't sure if you believe in Jesus, and this is all great for you too, because we want you to believe in Jesus. Believe that he really is the Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, that the perfect life that you some way or another think you need to live, whatever spiritual angst you have about the afterlife, about what who God is, those things, we believe that Jesus is the answer to all of that. And we want you to believe in Jesus, that he lived the perfect life that you can't live, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for sins that you can't afford, and he rose again from the grave. That's why Easter is such a great day, showing that if you follow Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to follow him into the grave one day, but you're going to follow him right out of the grave into everlasting life. And you get that because of the work of Jesus Christ, that none of us get to own it. None of us get to to do it ourselves. It's something that God did on your behalf. What he asks you to do is put your faith in him. He asks you to trust him. That's the good news. It's really good news. It's good news that you don't have to die wondering whether or not you've done enough good things to go to heaven. You need to die one, you know, Uh, understanding that you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you believe that he is who he said he was. And that's something that we get to do. And if you're a Christian, let me rephrase it this way. You believe in Jesus, you're a Christian, but do you believe Jesus? Like, do you believe his words when he says, you are the salt of the earth? He doesn't say you need to become the salt of the earth. Have you noticed that? He says, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you need to become the light of the world. 
See, that's something really, really important. I think that we think, well, maybe our pastor is the light of the world and maybe some special writer that I read or a radio host I listen to, you know, they're the salt of the earth. You know, they're the ones putting the word out there. But there's something just very, very small here, actually, uh, something small that Jesus is asking for you to do. And it's this in the context. He's talking about your light giving light to everyone in the house. Notice it doesn't say everyone in the world, okay? The church, capital C Church, we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. Okay, the whole church, capital C, does that. But what do you do? What's your part in that? Maybe you're called to go to another country or another civilization somewhere and bless them with the gospel, but most of us are called to be right where we are, right with our own relational world, our own house. I want to talk about that because if you're going to let your light shine before others, there's some things that we need to see. You know, Easter is a really good opportunity to invite people that you know to church. It's a holiday. It's people know there's Easter. I think some people that you know, maybe that you work with, or maybe you're in school with, they might even be wondering why you haven't asked them to go to Easter. And it's a cultural thing. There's a lot of people who are not believers in Jesus, but they'll go to church on Christmas or Easter because it's a thing, you know, or their parents make them go, or they they remember fondly times as a kid when they used to go. There's a whole lot of different reasons why people go. We need to be not just about getting people into our buildings, Okay, that's an interesting thing here about Jesus, is Jesus never says, I want you to gather somewhere and hope that people come to gather with you. He does call us to gather as believers. Don't misunderstand. We should be part of a fellowship, part of a church. But that purpose of us getting together, sometimes it's the opportunity to bring somebody who doesn't understand Jesus, who's seeking to find what the truth is. But often that opportunity is to build us up so that when we go out from the walls of our church— When we go out into the community, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go hang out at the Starbucks or hang out at the park or just stay at home with our family, whatever it is that you do, it's so that at that point you can reflect the light of Christ before others, that there is something here very, very critical to understanding that, that most people and a couple of different pastors this week in our series talked about this as we talked about several things. We talked about examining ourselves from Psalm 139, that if you want to get right with the Lord, you begin with examining yourself and you ask God, hey, examine me, figure, God, tell me what uh, I need to do to um, be more like you. And God will answer that prayer. And then you confess your sins. You acknowledge those things that you know God wants you to change. God wants you to give up. You confess your sins. You admit your faults. There's the idea of sanctification. It's growing up. It's to say, you know what? I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live for Christ. And I put off the old self, and now I have the new self, the new identity in Christ. And you're going to transform your thinking. This is not all about feeling. You know, sometimes we get into a, a very emotional side of following Jesus. But there is the transforming of our mind. There is an intellectual side. Sometimes people are one or the other, right? They're very intellectual. They can answer all the questions. But they don't have any feeling or sense of walking with the Lord. Sometimes people are the opposite. They have a a close sense of walking with the Lord. They're very emotional. Maybe they have a great emotional experience in worship and church. But when they leave, they can hardly articulate anything about their faith. See, we're supposed to do all of it. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength with all you are. And we learned about this this week, that it is transforming our thinking. And then we exalt him. 
We praise him in our worship, and our worship is not just on Sunday mornings. Our worship is how we live our life. And that's where we are today, reflecting his light, Jesus calling us to do that. Let me share something with you about this passage. It's read so often, and it's something that I talk about on our show a lot. And I think what it does is it makes it easier for us to take a look at the huge calling that we have to make disciples of all nations, and you think, how am I going to do that? And then to really look at what Jesus is saying to you on an individual level. And he's talking about your house or your household, some translations would say. What is that? What did Jesus mean by that? In our, in our culture, when we think of household, we so often think husband, wife, and two and a half kids, or however you measure it today, right? Whoever is in the house. And maybe grandma lives with you, and maybe a, 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 your kids have moved back in with you. Maybe your grandkids live with you. There's people in your house, your, your domicile. Well, here's something that I think is really important for us to grasp about this verse here and what Jesus is calling us to do. Whenever you look at what the scriptures are saying, something that's important to do when you study is to figure out what did the earliest hearers think Jesus was saying. Like if you were actually sitting on that hill and Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount and he says to you, hey, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. I don't think it's that hard. He explains it in the same way, let your light shine before others. But there's something about this that if you were a first century person hearing this, you would have grabbed, you would have grasped it a little bit differently. And this is something I think that'll help you. This is something that will help you understand how to walk with the Lord, how to reflect the light, to be more specific and more intentional about it. Wouldn't you like that? We're talking about revival in our churches and talk about revival in our land. How is that going to happen, really? You know how it happens? It happens when Christians do this, when they reflect the light of Christ, when they get out from the four walls of their church or three walls, or maybe you have a tent and there's no walls, but you know what I mean. You go out there and you live your life for Christ, just like we've been talking about. We ask God to change us. We, we want to grow in our faith. We put off the old self. We put on the new. We don't go out there and claim that we're perfect, but we do go out there and claim that we have a Savior who has made us perfect in Him, if you get deeper with it. We go out there and we say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but salvation, here's the good news. Salvation is the free gift of God through His grace, and it's available to everyone. And let me, let me tell you something about your neighbors, the people that you know. Everybody's dealing with something. Some people are in places right now that you work with where it's a great time of their life. Everything is working well. Family's good. Job's good. Money's good. Whatever it is. And I mean, they may not think about a lot, but deep down, they still have concerns. You know, deep down, they have some anxiety about we're going we're gonna to keep this going. You know, um, they, they are thinking about retirement or they're thinking about other things. There's, there's something there, but some people are just having a great time. Other people, you know, Uh, they're miserable. And sometimes you see their misery on their face or they share it with you, but other times they hide it. And some of the people who you think might be doing really well, they're really not. There are other people who are going through really tough times, but actually they're doing pretty well, often because their faith is in the Lord, their hope is in Jesus, not in temporal things. Regardless, you have people in your world that you go to work with, people that you live next door to, people who live in your house or your apartment, people that you interact with on a regular basis where they know your name. They know who you are. There's they, And it can be somebody that you just see often if you hang out in a park or you go to a coffee shop. Maybe it's the baristas. Maybe it's the same person that you sit next to. We all have people that we interact with on a regular basis. It's not a lot of people, though. Like, think about how many people really know who you are, 
how many people actually know you? If you were to go on television, I heard somebody give this example once, and I like it. If you were to go on TV and tell everybody about your faith and you're a Christian and you tell everybody about Jesus and you say, this is what I believe, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, and you share the gospel, and it's great, and maybe people would even receive Christ because you said that on TV, people you'd never meet, it happens. But there's a small number of people in your life who you live with, who you live next door to, who you go to school with, who you work with, they would hear you, and what would their opinion be? Would they say, you know what, he doesn't believe any of that he just said? Would they say, you know, that's not how he lives his life? Or would they say, you know what, I think he really believes that stuff. I think she really does follow this Jesus she's talking about. See, that's what it means to reflect the light of Christ. You are the light of the world. Now, you are, you're, you're the light of the world because you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, you're reflecting his light, okay? And the issue here is for us is, are we really reflecting the light of Christ? And if you are, your success, your effectiveness at sharing your faith with others is going to be much greater because just by the way you live your life, you're already sharing your faith with others. Like you may have never said anything about it. You have maybe never said, hey, can I invite you to church? You maybe have done nothing, but if you're walking with Jesus, people see that light in you. People see how you go through things. They, they see a difference. And then whenever you talk about your faith, when you say, I go to this church, when you suggest that maybe someone should come with you to Easter You've already actually done things to let them know that you really believe this. You've built in a credibility. See, that's our walking with Christ. It's how it matters so greatly. Are you following me with that? That the way we live our life matters so much, especially to our non-believing friends and coworkers and people in our life. They're not reading the Bible, probably. Some people are, but most people are not. They're reading Christians. We are the Bible that they read. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, who's talking to all kinds of regular people. This isn't a gathering of the great religious thinkers of the time. In fact, Jesus was arguing with the great religious thinkers of the time. This is a gathering of regular folk, just like you and me. Some of them are very poor. Some of them are likely very rich and everybody in between. And they come from different parts of the world and they're men and women and they're everybody together. And he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Do you believe that about yourself? See, if you believe Jesus... That's a first step into a whole lot of things. Number one, it's having confidence in your salvation, that Jesus died for you. It's effective. You're going to heaven when you die, when that day comes. It's going to happen. You're going to see him. You're going to be forgiven. And however it works out, you're going to have everlasting life. That's if you believe Jesus. But for this life, if you believe Jesus, your purpose in this life is something that is magnificent. It is a great thing for you. It is a great thing for how to live this life You know, there's so many scary things we have in the news right now with the bank failures and the wars and the infighting that we've got in our politics and the name calling and all of that. It's a scary time. It's just frankly a scary time in the world. I think the uncertainty of this world right now is very frightening. And many of us are afraid. But when your hope is in Christ, you push through all of that. And you have to deal with it. You have to deal with everything that that brings into this life. And I know that. But there is something greater to live for. And it's reflecting your light. And you're living your life for others at this point. And this is this is part of the the great um, the great way of living as a Christian. It's an adventure. 
It's a life of meaning and purpose. Your life is always better when you're living for somebody else. Like when you become a parent, one of the great things about it is, yeah, you don't have as much time as you used to have to go to the movies, to go do some fun things that you want, and you're tired all the time, and there's issues. But at the same time, it's the greatest thing ever. Why? Because your purpose of your life has changed quite a bit, right? Is now you've got kids. Now you're living for them. You're living to provide for them. You're living so that they learn the right things, and it changes. And there's hardship with parenting, but it's also wonderful. See, there can be hardship with following Jesus because some people might reject you. You might invite somebody to Easter and they're going to say no. Okay, that happens. But what happens when they say yes? Or what happens when you find out that somebody else invited them to Easter another year or another time and they said yes and you realize, hey, maybe they told me no, but maybe they went home and they thought about it for a while and a year later or two years later or five years later, somebody else shared the gospel with them, and now they're walking with Jesus, and you were part of that. Have you had that experience, Christian? You know how you get that experience? It's with the people that you know, because these are the people who you have influence over. These are the people that you interact with. These are the people who know you. That's why reflecting the light of Christ matters so much, because they're in that place to see it. Now, here's what I wanted to share with you about this passage in the Sermon on the Mount that matters so much. The word for house, and you hear me talk about this all the time, It's a Greek word. It is, I'm not going to bore you too much with Greek. I mean, sometimes people are like, oh, no, now here he goes into that. But this matters because it shapes up what your purpose is, how the New Testament is even structured in so many ways, and what the original audience would have heard Jesus say. The word there is oikos or ekos or different ways to say it. In ancient Greek, most people think it's oikos is how they might have pronounced it back then. Oikos is a word that means household, but it also means relational world. Your household back then would have been, yes, your family who you lived with, but it it was very likely your coworkers because the way the economy worked is you lived, you were probably a farmer of some kind or you manufactured, you know, pots and pans or different items like that or farm equipment. You very likely lived with the person who owns the land and they provided everything for you, not just payment and a salary, but they probably provided your housing, they provided your food, they provided your clothing, and you actually lived with your coworkers. That may not sound exciting to you, I know, where you are, or maybe it does, I don't know, but almost like living in a dorm in college. Maybe you're listening and you're identifying that with that right now. Oh yeah, I live in a dorm or I live in an apartment complex. It, It was more like that. That's how people lived. And the word household in that culture meant relational world, groups of people who needed each other for life. It's a whole interesting other study, and if you get into the Greek philosophers and particularly Aristotle, he talks about oikos, your household, and how important it is for society's structure. In fact, it's an interesting side note that societies collapse when people do not love their neighbor. And by love, I don't mean tolerate or have a special feeling for. I mean societies collapse when people don't take care of their neighbor, when people don't meet the needs of their neighbor, the people in their oikos, they would say back then. Your, your neighbors were not just your next-door neighbors, and it wasn't just everybody, although it can be everybody. Certainly, you know, who's my neighbor? Well, it is everybody that I interact with. But in a more specific term, your oikos, your relational world, and if you're a sociology student, you do study this today, are the people in your life. That's the word Jesus uses here for house, your relational world. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the oikos, in the relational world, in the house. See, and then he explains it in the same way, let your light shine before others. See, those people would have realized when he says others, he's not talking about random others. It includes random others, but more specifically, they would have heard Oikos. They would have said, oh, 
He's talking about the people that I interact with on a regular basis, the people who really know me, the people that God has placed in my life. See, the Great Commission, making disciples, sharing your faith, being prepared to give a reason for the hope you have, all of these things that we hear about, it works a lot better. And most of the time, it happens effectively, not with strangers, although that happens sometimes. It happens between you and people that are already in your life. If you're a Christian today, you're probably a Christian because your mom or dad or a sister or a friend or a coworker or a classmate, somebody you were close to shared the gospel with you. Some of you are Christians because you picked up a Gideon's Bible in a hotel and it was great and the Lord came to you and saved you that way and it's great. But almost all of us listening are saved today because we heard the gospel message from somebody that we know, somebody that we trusted, somebody who we saw the work of God in their life somebody who represented Christ, somebody who reflected the light of Christ, somebody just like you, somebody who was not perfect, somebody who had faults, somebody who had sins, somebody who had a past, somebody who had a present. Jesus, if you believe him, he's put people in your life right now that he wants you to love, that he wants you to pray for, that he wants you to invest in spiritually and maybe financially. Maybe you're taking people to coffee or you pay for lunch. These are the people that you invite to church. These are the ones who are within your house, who see the light reflecting of Christ from you. These are the people who know whether you're salty or not in a good way, in a biblical way. These are the people who you are the light of the world to. I want to challenge you to realize something, that everything that Jesus tells us is true, and everything that each one of our six days has talked about leading up to Easter, about the forgiveness of sins, about God helping us grow, examining ourselves, old self, new self, the, the truth of Jesus being the Messiah, the absolute truth of that, all of that is right. Do you believe Jesus? And if you do, believe this, that God has put you in the life of somebody who he wants you to love so that they see the light of Christ in you. And I'll bet you're thinking of somebody, and I'll bet that's the person you need to invite to Easter. That's the person who you need to say, hey, I'm going to church on Easter Sunday. Would you like to come with me? Very simple. Most of the time they're going to say yes, by the way. And if they say no, don't sweat it. Say okay, and then start to pray for them and invest in them. Help them get to know you. Examine yourself so that they see the light. If you need to repent of something, do it. Not for your own benefit, although it will help you, but do it for them. Do it for them because they need Jesus. This is about eternal life. This is about the eternal destination of every human being. And the news is great. Jesus Christ came up out of the grave. And you get to also when you believe in him. That's the message. It's good news. And I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you not to be afraid. I want to encourage you to pray first, pray for that person, ask God to use you in their life, and then invite them to Easter Sunday. Invite them to go with you. Maybe you go to breakfast first, or maybe you go to lunch afterward. Invite those people to understand who it is you are in Christ and believe that. Do you need a Bible? Do you need a Bible for them? We're giving you away free Bibles. Go to kkla.com, kkla.com, and click on the link there for the Steps to Easter and put in the information. We'll give you a free Bible. We want to help you in every way to do this. I hope that this was helpful for you today, that this whole week of these Steps to Easter has been helpful, and it helps you grow your faith. And maybe you'll find yourself standing up in church someday, watching your coworker get baptized, and you'll know, this is the reason I was born, because I'm the light of the world. They saw the light of Christ through me, and now they're confessing Christ as Savior. It's the greatest day of your life when that happens. It's a wonderful thing. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And uh, we'll be back on Southern California Live here from 3 to 5 each and every day, Monday through Friday. God bless you. I'll see you then. 
You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Pastor Scott Furrow with you. By the way, in the final segment of our Good Friday show today, I'm going to make a special announcement about our show. And you don't want to miss it. We'll get to that in a minute. But the more important things is we have been going through the steps to Easter and reviewing all of the interviews that we did on this subject over the past week. You can get all of the interviews in full by going to kkla.com and clicking the six steps to Easter banner. There's also a way through that link that you can send anybody you know a free Bible. And as if you were just listening, I gave you step number six. We talked about your oikos, the people in your relational world. Your oikos is the eight to 15 people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your relational world. And And, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to reflect his light, those are the people who see it. The people who see Jesus's light reflecting off of you are the people in your life. They're the people that you know. They're the people that you influence. And we skipped uh, step number five because I wanted to come back to it because in step number five earlier this week, uh, yesterday, in fact, you heard from uh, Messianic Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. And, you know, he gave his testimony, how he came to Christ. And the interesting thing, and I want you to hear this, is he came to Christ because a friend of his who was a brand new believer himself had come to Christ and shared the gospel with him. And it's very, very simple. And what that is, is it's an oikos relationship. It is a relationship that each one of us has. And it's really here to show you how impactful you just simply opening up to the people in your life, how God can use that and and Pastor Gary Dereshinsky shares his story. I want you to listen to it, and then we'll come back here in just a minute. This is step five, uh, exalt him. But this is really how an Oikos relationship works. Here's Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. As a young boy, when I was 13, I was bar mitzvahed. I continued to investigate my faith. Uh, I always had this desire to know God. I always questioned, how was it that Abraham heard the voice of God calling him and telling him to go to a land that God would show him? And I always wanted to hear God's voice like that. Mm. But I never really did. I sort of found myself going through other traditions of the Jewish people, the various festivals, celebrations, things at home. But I never came away saying, you know, God hears me or I hear God. I mean, I was reading the scripture and I knew it was God's word. Uh, It wasn't until I was 17 that a non-Jewish friend of mine raised in the Catholic Church had told me he became a Christian. I was shocked because I knew he wasn't Jewish, so I figured he always was a Christian. And he told me he wasn't, that he had been Christianized, Hmm. that he had memorized the Baltimore Catechism. He had become an altar boy. He had gone to confession. Uh, He had done all the things that was expected of him having been raised a Catholic. But he had told me he had not become a Christian until he invited uh, the Lord Jesus into his heart, and now he knew God. And so my response to him was simply, um, I'm happy for you. That's great. You know, you found yeah. God. What does that have to do with me? And, um, and inside, though, I was sort of angry, sort of mm-hmm. seething, because as one raised in, the Jewish, in a Jewish home, I figured I would be hearing God's voice and I would know him. And here my non-Jewish friend who is raised Catholic is telling me that he now knows God the way I've always wanted to Hmm. uh, and wasn't Jewish. So 
we got into a little conversation. He said, you know, happiness doesn't have a whole lot to do with this. It, what, what this has to do with is the truth. If uh, Jesus was the Messiah, wouldn't you want to believe in him? He said to me. And I said, of course. You know, if, we, if Jesus really is the Messiah, who wouldn't want to believe in him? And he said, so have you ever read about Jesus for yourself? And I told him I hadn't. Uh, my parents always told me, you know, that we as Jews worshipped on Saturday. The Christians worshipped on Sunday. The Christians had Jesus. We had Moses. Uh, the Christians had New Testament. We had the Old Testament. And the two are not supposed to be mixed. Mm. So uh, I never read the New Testament. I think the closest I came was when I was in elementary school or I was like in fourth grade or something and went into the library and on the shelf was a holy Bible. And I reached up to look at it and I took it off the shelf and I opened it and I felt the guilt of looking at the New Testament and I closed it real quick and I put it back on the shelf. And now when I was 17, my friend is saying, if I gave you a Bible with the New Testament, would you read it? And I said, uh, sure. He didn't have a Bible in his hand, so I figured, you know, I was okay. He said, okay, well, let's walk home, and I'll go by my church, and I'll get you a Bible. And he walked in the church and took out a Bible. It was a small church. It was The Bible was a Gideon Bible that was placed there because the church was too small, couldn't afford Bibles. Right. And I took home a King James Version, Red Letter Edition. I didn't know what that meant back then. And snuck it home at night and under my covers with a flashlight, began to read the Gospel of Matthew. Isn't that an interesting thing? I want us all to hear this. That was Rabbi Gary Dereshinsky. He's a Messianic rabbi uh, uh, from Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. And you can learn more about him, by the way, by going to our website at kkla.com and clicking on the Six Steps to Easter banner. We have been reviewing those six steps today as we're coming up on Easter weekend. But I really wanted you to hear that part of the interview. The whole interview is great. You can see it all on there. And by see it, I mean you can actually watch the video, and that's cool, right? Um but I wanted you to hear how simple that is. He had a friend who just got saved himself and shared the gospel with Gary. And Gary investigated and he got saved. And now look at what's happened. Now, his friend who got saved, I don't know any more about that person's story. I'm sure they're just a regular person out there doing whatever God called them to do. But look at the impact that one person had by sharing the gospel with his friend Gary, his Jewish friend Gary, who I think that some of us sometimes think, well, if you're Jewish, then uh, you have already heard it all and uh, you don't need to hear, which is completely not true about anybody, any person. He shares the gospel. Gary becomes a Christian and now is the pastor of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation and has a great ministry here in Los Angeles. That one person had a impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is having ripple effects ever since that day. See, and I tell you this because I want you to know this. You have no idea, you have no idea what God is going to do with the people that he's placed in your life where you are called to share the gospel with them. If you share the gospel with somebody, you invite them to Easter Sunday, they might accept Jesus. And you know, the thing is, is that might be the next Billy Graham. Yeah, that, that person that you're thinking about who is so far from the Lord and just doesn't seem interested in God— how do you know that the person that you, that you, when you invite that person to Easter, or maybe you just take that person to coffee, maybe you just share what you've learned from Jesus, what Jesus has done in your life with that person. How do you know that that person is not the next Billy Graham because you shared your story? You don't know. You have no idea what God can accomplish 
you have no idea what what hangs in the balance of you simply sharing your faith with the people that God has placed in your relational world. Do you see how important that is? It's critically important. And and this is, I think, what, what the Lord is looking for. I like to say that we need to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about. And so much of our time is spent being concerned about things that Jesus is is aware of, but not really that concerned about. You know, he's concerned about the people that he's placed in your life to hear your story about Jesus, to make disciples. That's what we are called to do, make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of us, not disciples of our political philosophy, of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ commanded. That is the Great Commission. And what I want you to know is that Jesus trusts you with that. Like, this is the way he's decided to do it. I like, you know, it's kind of an odd thing. Like, God, why did you do it this way? Why the church? Why did you leave it to us? We messed this up pretty badly, an awful lot, don't we? Well, he did, and it's been successful for 2,000 years, and it continues to be. So I want to encourage you to trust the Lord and share your faith with somebody that he's placed in your relational world. Do that today. Easter is coming up, and you know what? They probably don't have plans on Sunday. Ask him to go to church with you today. Call them up, send them an email, say, hey, if you're not going anywhere on Easter, I'd love to have you come with my family or come with me and bring that person to church and, you know, have a relationship with them. Ask them how it went. They might tell you, I hated it. Fine. Now you know where they stand. Enjoy that relationship, but take that step. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of you doing that for the purpose of the church and that person's soul. All right, when we come back on Southern California Live, huge announcement for our show. This is Southern California Live, good Friday edition. I will be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment on this Good Friday, and uh, I hope that you've enjoyed our program. I hope that this whole week and the six steps to Easter, everything we've talked about today, I really hope that it's meaningful for you, and that's something that we want our show to be. We want to have a lot of fun, and we want to do things in a way that, you know, it it keeps your attention, but it also has a serious side to it, right? And, And, you know, we will talk about the news, but we aren't really about the news, We are a show that is about having a Christian perspective about things, and that's what we try to do. And so I have a special announcement for you today. This uh, show, that's our our special music. I really enjoy the special music. I'm going to play it again because I like it. If you're old enough, if you know what that's from, like right after that, there would be like the really cool TV special on as a kid, right, that you were waiting for, the Charlie Brown Christmas or something like that. I like it for a big announcement. So here's the big announcement. Ready? The big announcement, and some of you have figured this out already. The big announcement is we are changing the name of our show. And the reason we're doing that is because the the show, Southern California Live, I like that name. I think it's a great name. We're definitely in Southern California. We play on KKLA in Los Angeles and KPRZ in San Diego. Most Most people in Southern California can hear our show on the radio. We also live in a world where everybody can listen to the show online now. You can listen uh, on the apps. We've had callers from Michigan and callers from Washington and Oregon and some other places now and then, and different places all throughout California. And, you know, that that show, that show name, Southern California Live, was put together as kind of the interim 
title between a different show hosts that have been a part of this show. And I've been here a little over a year, although I was guest hosting for eight months before uh, they gave me this chair. And I want to tell you that it has been a privilege every single day to be with you in this chair and a great honor, a great honor to get to know you. And I'm excited about what the future is. I'm not leaving this chair. We're going to change the name of the show and it's going to be called The Pastor Scott Show. And uh, the reason we're calling it The Pastor Scott Show is because I'm Pastor Scott and I'm the host of the show. And that's kind of how this works, right, is, uh, you know, usually it's the name of the person doing the show. And and we had some discussion about whether it should be the Scott Furrow Show. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Maybe one day that would be the name. But, you know, there's something that I think we get to do together that is different on our stations is we don't just have to talk about the issues of the day in the same way that most other shows really have to talk about the issues of the day. We can take a look and get a little bit deeper and challenge each other in some different ways. And I've been a pastor for 25 years. I still do a lot of things pastorally. This job gives me an opportunity to speak at different places and to do retreats and to speak at churches and do some pulpit supply. And and I'm mentoring some people and I still get to do all of those things. And and, uh, you know, the best part about it, though, is that in all my years of ministry, one of the things I enjoy most about this show is that in one sense, in this sense, where this show is not a church, right? This isn't uh, the Southern California Life Church. This isn't the, it's not going to be the Pastor Scott's church. People always say that about pastors, right? People come up to me and they'll say, well, what's it like at your church, right? And I know what they mean, but it's, you know, when you're a pastor and you do that, you do that with any pastor, you know, it's their church and their name is probably out on the sign and there's those kinds of things. But one of the things that's odd about that is that it's not any person's church. It's Jesus's church, right? And we meet in different congregations and we have some different traditions. But if you believe that Jesus is the Savior, if you believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but by him. And if you trust him that he rose again from the grave, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then if you believe that as followers of Jesus, we need to be followers of Jesus. Jesus said that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, what did he command us to do? You know, he commanded us to go and make disciples, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Obey is a word that gets dropped from that sometimes. Sometimes people say, teaching them everything that I have commanded. No, it's teaching them to obey, right? There is something persuasive about disciple-making, not persuasive about making a person like you, but making a person more like Jesus. And something that I love about our show is that we get to take what we learn together, what we share together on the phone or through emails, what you all who call in and add so much value. You know, when you call in the show, you aren't just adding value to whatever that program is or the Pastor Scott show. You're adding value to the listeners in real life. You are making an impact. I truly believe that God uses each and every person who calls in, each and every person who takes something that they heard from a caller or from me or from a guest and takes that back into the congregation where they sit. And our goal should be to strengthen each other, to make disciples, to have better congregations, right? That, you know, churches, we get so tied up in the weirdest things. You know, as a pastor, I can tell you, and maybe I have some freedom because I'm not currently the pastor of a church, right? But I can tell you so much time is wasted 
by the dumbest arguments in our churches. In the meantime, the people that God has placed in our life are going to hell if they don't hear and understand the gospel. And in so many cases, the only person they're going to hear it from is you. It's us. It's plan A, right? Your plan A in that person's life. And that matters a lot. So we get to come together and and talk about the things that are really happening in the world, right? That's a whole other thing about sometimes church life. You know, In church, one of the things that's really important is that we teach the Word of God, that we build each other up, that we come and we encourage each other, we edify each other, we worship God together, we hear the Word together, we learn together, we challenge together, we build each other up, we help people grow in their faith. We should do that together as believers. But there's this other aspect of, I've got people in my life, you know, what's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is the people that God has placed in your life to know who Jesus is, that you are a better disciple maker of Jesus because of what you learn in your church or what you learn on this show or other other shows you listen to on this station. You listen to some great pastors on this station, right? And some great, great teaching. And there's some that you like a little more than others. There's some that you're like, oh, I don't know about that guy, but I really like this guy. You can have that kind of discussion, but the purpose isn't just for your own edification. The purpose is to help you grow closer to Jesus. That's what every one of those preachers on this station would tell you, that the purpose of it being out there for you, you know, you're probably not going to their church, by the way. Like if you're local, you might go to that person's church that you're hearing on the radio because they're a local preacher. And that's a great thing for the church. If you are a pastor and you're listening, it's a great, it's a great thing to do, to be on the radio, let people know you're there. But most people listening, they're not going to your church. They're going to some other church somewhere. And that's great. Hopefully what it does is it encourages each one of us to be better in the church that we're in. And when you look at the world today and how things are falling apart, it's so easy to just go down the road of the politics and down the road of if we just vote and if we just do this and that. You know, it's not going to change at all unless there is something to persuade people's hearts to change. If there is something in our culture, in any culture, not just American culture, but culture around the world, wherever you live, wherever God sends you, if there is something that causes us to turn our hearts to Jesus— to really do that. If, and people do it. They do it all the time. So many of you have done it. This is happening all the time. You know, that is what makes things better. That is, is you know, we're called to do this not for the sake of our country. You know, countries are all going to fail by the end, by the time Jesus comes back. We're doing it so that people know God. And the great thing about people who really follow Jesus, when God really changes your life, it is so encouraging to other people who are lost and they realize they're lost and they look at you and they see what the Lord has done in your life and they have a conversation with you about normal life things. It might be politics. It might be something in the news. It might be a tragedy or a, uh, or a good thing that might have happened in our, in our cities. When they see the light of Christ in you through those conversations, through normal everyday interactions that people have, that's very, very powerful. It's it's part of disciple-making, is that very often the only Bible that people are reading is you. And it matters. So I hope that our show is something, as we call it, the Pastor Scott Show. It's going to change, but it's not going to change, right? It's going to change. we got some new things coming and some ways to develop it that I think are fun. 
And we want to encourage you to put it on your social media. You'll have some new graphics and some other things to help, you know, grow the show. But we hope that it's adding value to your life and adding value to the life of the people that God has placed in your life and adding value to your church, to your pastor, to the people who are just doing wonderful things in the ministry that you're a part of and that encourages you. That's what I hope it always is. And and I want you to know that I believe that 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 part of this show is not just because of whatever I say into this microphone. It's also because of what you say when you call up and you join us. It's what you say when you forward a snippet of this show to a friend and say, hey, listen to this, listen to Pastor Scott, or listen to this caller, listen to this guest who was on the show. And it has a ripple effect that can go anywhere in the world today. It's an amazing world that we live in, and I promise you something. I promise you that God's role for you in this world is incredibly significant towards the people that God has placed in your life. It really, truly is. And as much as we can help you be an effective follower of Jesus, as much as we can help churches stay focused on the gospel, because like I said, it's so easy for churches to get distracted on things that just don't matter that much, and to stay focused on the gospel, on ministering in their communities, and dealing with people who have real life issues, and Jesus is the answer, to remove the clutter and show them Jesus Christ in every way. The big picture, that's what we're about. So I want to say thank you to you for inviting me into your cars and your homes and your offices, wherever it is that you listen uh, each and every weekday. I thank you for that. And uh, it has been a pleasure and it will continue to be as we are the Pastor Scott Show now. And hopefully that will be a tool to really help you invite people and uh, not just keep it in Southern California, but to actually take a look and say, hey, you know what? This is not a show that's about Southern California. It's about Pastor Scott. And you know what? Pastor Scott, he's he's different. He's going to tell some jokes and he's going to play some audio and uh, he's going to get into hopefully the issues that are really affecting our life. And that's what we hope to do. I'm going to thank you for listening and for your friendship and uh, for being a part of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing that as we come back on Monday as the Pastor Scott Show. I hope that you have a great weekend. I hope that Easter is a time when you are refreshed, when you are renewed, and that you give great thanks to the risen Savior. And if you're listening, go to church somewhere, hear the gospel message. And I hope to welcome you as a new member of the family of God if you haven't received Christ yet as we come back on Monday. God bless you. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.